0: Hi everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, We're here today for the short-term rental innovation and policy summit. This was supposed to be an in-person summit that we were gonna hold in Austin during the U.S. Conference of Mayors and a few other uh, conferences that were going on at the same time in August. But unfortunately due to COVID, we had to cancel our in-person get togethers, which I know has happened to so many of us around the country. However, we're starting to see those numbers change. People start to get together live and in person again. And we hope we're able to do this live and in person together next year. In the meantime, we're going to bring this content to you all monthly through a, a series of sessions over the course of several months covering the content that we were going to discuss uh, during our August in-person get-together. My name is Matt Curtis. I'm the founder of Smart City Policy Group, and it's been great to uh, have these discussions over the last several years. This is our third annual short-term rental policy discussion, and uh, it's a great opportunity to come together and talk about this really just incredibly uh Uh, quickly changing industry, uh, an evolving industry, evolving traveler trends. How is that impacting uh, local and state governments that are trying to figure out uh, how people are gonna be traveling differently? And maybe if there are obligated taxes or local rules that might apply to this industry, how do you create local rules or make sure that taxes are being collected effectively? Well, those are some of the things we're going to be talking about here over these next several sessions. And we're going to talk about one great best practice uh, example city today or example community today, uh, Glen County, Georgia. We'll be talking about Glen County here in just a few minutes. But we're lucky to get a great uh, keynote speaker who's going to come in and introduce this, uh, this series uh, and talk to us a little bit about the future of travel. What's changing with travel? What do communities need to do? to embrace the best of travel and prepare for the future of travel. Well, we're lucky that we have uh, uh, New Mexico uh, Tourism Secretary, Jen Schrayer, uh, who's joining us. Uh, and I think she's gonna come on uh, camera on here in just a moment and uh, talk to us a little bit about that. She's a very good friend of mine and I, I'm really unhappy that I have to see you uh, via video. I'd much rather be with you in person. Secretary, how are you? I think you're still on mute. You may need to unmute yourself. How are you I'm doing?
1: doing? Great. How are you? Great. Uh. See
0: it well so you know talk to us a little bit about what you see in the future of travel and you know you've done such an incredible job promoting new mexico and it's really set an, an incredible example for other destination marketing organizations and cities and states that want to capture the best of tourism talk to us a little bit about what's going on what you see in the future and while you're speaking i'm going to go camera off and let you have the show <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. It's good to see you too, Matt. I wish we were in person. Um, I think all of us wish that we could go back to 2019 and and have that lifestyle, but we still have a little bit further to go with this pandemic. And obviously it really does still impact the tourism industry globally. Um, But what I've really seen throughout this last year and a half is just how interconnected we are as one planet humanity and just the spirit of travel and how we all love to experience new places new cultures new cuisine and of course um, you know i'm leading the state of new mexico's tourism recovery and i invite all of you to come to new mexico and experience just what an authentic incredible place this state is Um, but talking a little bit about like what's the future of tourism because everyone wants to know everyone's trying to figure that out and you know one of the Things that I have been sharing with my industry here in New Mexico over and over and over again: two things. One, be kindly bold. Um, our poor industry has just been through so much in the course of a year and a half. We're all tired, and it we're this industry in particular really needs leadership at the local level on up to the state level, feds to really look at how do we continue to be bold about this recovery? How do we continue to look at the entire landscape of what impacts the growth of tourism um, and, and collaborate and cooperate across local state um, and national uh, level organizations and agencies because the problems that this particular industry is facing now looks much different. And that's that's the second thing I keep telling folks, like what helped and um, was the main driver of demand and getting this industry moving and growing and creating jobs like it does, um, it looks a little different now in 2021. Um, so some of those things that I wanna talk about is that. Our destination marketing organizations, so your, your Visit Albuquerque or your Convention and Visitors Bureau or your Tourism Santa Fe, they have historically been marketing agencies. Like they market your community. They find the beautiful assets and promote it to the world. And they've done an incredible job for years and that's how we've increased demand and also bringing in convention business. Um, However, there's a lot of demand factors that we don't have control over right now. So we're gonna continue marketing, but there are other issues besides demand that we need to focus on as leaders. Um, It's taking more of an economic development full scope and broad scope of the issues, including workforce. So we all know there's labor shortages across the world. Um, and specifically in New Mexico, I can tell you that is our number one barrier to inviting people here to stay. People want to come, um, but our hotels are intentionally suppressing how many rooms that they have available to rent for people to book and stay here because they don't have the workforce um, enough to be at full capacity. And so until we figure out that workforce issue, we're going to see our hotels continue to suppress supply, which means that we're not realizing our full demand potential and also our visitor spend. So that's your GRT. Your, your, your sales tax that your communities realize at the local level and the state level um, to provide services for our residents in each of our states. Um, and so that workforce issue is incredibly important to figure out. And so the tourism department specifically, you know, we, we, we've we historically been a marketing organization. And now I'm working with my sister agency saying, hey, look, I don't have the resources. I don't have the expertise in my agency because pre-COVID, that's not what I did. But now I need to look at those things. And so getting the right people at the table to look at the problem uh, from multiple facets is critical. And I can tell you some of those barriers to workforce, A, they have figured out how to live with less. A lot of people have. Um, Two. Childcare is a barrier because if you think of what happened during the pandemic, a lot of our childcare facilities close permanently, closed temporarily. They don't have enough workers. Um, the cost of childcare has gone up. Think of all the gloves and masks and, and Lysol they're all buying. They have to have smaller classrooms or trying to figure out how to keep those kids safe. And so childcare has been a barrier, just access to childcare for people to go back to work. Um, a lot of people are still scared. A lot of people are taking Taking care of their their family, and so they're just concerned. Um, so. Lots of different issues there. So we brought to the table our workforce solutions state agency. We brought together our economic development state agency. We brought our early childhood development state agency to really look at this 360 and say, how do we solve this? And so using and leveraging and linking all of the different resources available, we're putting together a cross agency um, strategy to try to solve those things because we know it's it. This particular industry needs that kind of um, disciplined approach for the workforce shortages to be solved. And it's going to take time. Um, I'm thinking about a year and a half to two years before our workforce, um, all that dust settles and we get our workforce all, all back. Um, infrastructure, you know, looking at our, um, our aviation sector and the changes that they're making at the national and international level of where they're going to have those direct flights and how they're evaluating those direct flights is really critical um, because that's going to be a uh, long-term infrastructure that doesn't always uh, uh, just support quality of life for your residents or for tourism. It also supports your economic development um, industries that you're going to want to make sure have access to aviation to meet their business Needs. And so, really taking a look at what's happening at all your airports and which direct flights are staying or going. And I can tell you that typically, right now, the aviation sector is looking at leisure travel as their main decision maker on those direct flights. And so, if you're able to demonstrate that you're still investing in tourism as a local economy and driver, then you're more likely to get direct flights, either to sustain or new, uh, which is critical to your overall mix of economy. You know, and I would just say that as I think a lot of times we think that like these new trends, oh, they're going to go away. And I'm so glad Matt has created a a webinar series specifically looking at our short-term rentals because during the pandemic if you looked at the communities that actually did they fared pretty well from a tourism point of view uh they had short-term rentals they had a policy in place they were collecting taxes um, and so a lot of those communities that had high short-term rentals their economy did okay and I think the communities that said, oh, you know, this is a trend or, oh, that's a lot of work, which it is to put together policies and really think through with a disciplined approach of how are we going to keep short term rentals as part of our overall community fabric and economy? um, They missed out on a lot of opportunity. And so when it comes to those short term rentals, I highly encourage everyone to take a look at how many do they have in their community? What are your local ordinances? how do you make sure that you know it's 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 comparable, and you have a strategy in place to make sure that you still have affordable housing because that's connected to your workforce as well. And so we're really seeing how not only tourism, but just within the the consequences and the dynamic of the pandemic, how everything is interrelated. And I think as as leaders, you know, you're here today because you want to be a leader that promotes smart policies for your city, um, starting to have uh, conversations out of your silo is just critical and making sure that you bring the right people to the table to have a holistic conversation of how you change and adapt to the times. Um, I can tell you that a lot of the things that we created pre-pandemic, we took a look at and said, oh, nope, this isn't gonna work because consumer behaviors are changing, the landscape is changing, and there's a lot of factors that we don't have control over. And so taking a a fresh perspective of what's happening in your community and where you want it to go is critical. And I think Matt has provided a lot of resources um, and expertise on how to move those things forward. So Matt, I don't know if you have any questions for me. Um, I know that like the demand factors that Everyone wants to come back. I think everyone wants to make sure that they can get their presents, you know, for Christmas. But we know supply chains are down. Um, But I think just a a couple of things to remember is one, international travel is going to be coming back here soon. It's not going to come back immediately, um, but we are going to see that starting to come back, which is fantastic um, in regards to getting that new money into our nation, uh, our nation's economy. Business travel is still kind of slow. I think this is a great example that we're still meeting on Zoom because there's so much uncertainty, uh, but that will start coming back. And I believe as soon as a company loses a sale because they did a Zoom meeting instead of an in-person meeting, we're gonna start seeing, seeing a lot of business travel as well as the conventions and meetings. So, Matt, I don't know if you have any questions for me or.
0: No, I absolutely do, and one thing I wanted to just touch base on, just real quick. Speaking of that, uh, and, and and kind of uh, a hopeful data point, remember last year I had mentioned that um, travel with rented RVs and vans. Was up something like 700 uh, percent last summer. Of course, that was people who were finding a way to travel safely and you know maintain some personal distance with their family. Um, but I would assume that driving traffic—that's just reflective of driving traffic. The driving traffic, people using vehicles to get to different corners of the country to choose you know time to time to vacation or to travel—is uh, also up as well. A lot of the reason people are choosing new mexico as a destination is you've had an incredibly aggressive plan to promote uh new mexico you've done great job with innovative marketing talk to us a little bit about that how that plays into all this
1: sure so uh coming out of the pandemic we did about a nine million dollar um campaign to cap capture as much pent-up demand as possible i think hopefully everyone's taken their post-covid vacation already um, here that are joining us, but that's really what we were trying to capture. We have the New Mexico True campaign. Um, That brand has been with the agency now for 12 years. And it's a very successful uh, brand, consumer brand, which we have calculated as a seven to one return on investment of the, the public dollar, which we are stewards of. And so we really looked at not only well, we took our, our strategy from pre-pandemic. And we said, wait a minute, is this still right? because um, we have our drive market strategy, which is to Matt's point, a lot of RVs and a lot of people driving. We also had our fly market, which we've been in seven different destinations historically um, doing advertising. And so what we did is a mobility test to see which can which ones of those fly markets were really traveling. Um, And so we ended up dropping Chicago because our data was showing that they weren't traveling as much. And we want our dollar to go as far as possible. Um, But then we also saw that LA was moving much more. Um, and so we it went into LA, which has been really rewarding here uh, for New Mexico. And then finally, uh, we did a third layer, which was just behavior targeting nationwide, the people that were looking to travel people, a little bit more risk adverse that were willing to do maybe a long road trip or even fly. Um, and so we took a different approach based upon what we were, um, reviewing in our market research, the behavior, consumer behavior changes, um, and then also just certain uh, certain communities were, were traveling. And so we wanted to make sure we invited them to New Mexico. And so we saw a huge lift from like 40% occupancy to like, you know, in the 70s. Um, however, in Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico, you can't find a room here. It's been booked. Um, throughout the whole entire city, which is fantastic. Um, So it's gonna take some time. We're about at 2016 levels of visitor spend and occupancy. So we have a little bit more to go to try to bring back this economy, Um, but we know a lot of that has to do with workforce. And so we're doing our best to minimize those barriers uh, while increasing demand.
0: You know, thanks so much for outlining the importance of the tourism economy. It it does sustain so many jobs. It really helps drive all these local and state economies. Uh, And you've done such a remarkable job in New Mexico. There's so many great reasons to come visit New Mexico. You know, I'm a big fan of the New Mexico wine, the outdoor experiences, and so many great activities there. It's a a spectacular state, so I invite everybody watching to come visit New Mexico. Thank you, Secretary Schreyer. We really appreciate you being on. And I know this is awkward as we would normally be escorting you down off the stage, but instead we'll let your camera off. And thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Great. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for being here. Okay. Well, that was spectacular. It was really nice to hear from somebody at that level of the tourism industry, talk about tourism leadership. And and now we're going to transition and talk a little bit about a short-term rental best practice story that I think is just remarkable. It's our friends from Glen County, Georgia, and I'm going to invite them to turn their cameras on and unmute and uh, join us for this discussion. Uh, so, we're going to have a few folks here and I'll go through the introductions. Uh, I haven't seen these guys in a long time either, and it's really great to see them in person. Glen County, another spectacular destination everyone watching should take time to go visit and spend uh, a good amount of time there. It's a beautiful destination. So with us today, I'll kind of go in order of how I'm seeing folks. We have with us the former county commissioner for Glynn County, Peter Murphy. Peter, wave, say hi. Hi, Matt. So you can hear us okay. There you are. It's so good to see you. And then uh, another really great friend from the destination marketing world, uh, uh, kind of a legend of uh, destination marketing. He does such a great job in, in the different areas where he's worked, Scott McQuaid. How are you, Scott? how you doing matt terrific and then a vacation rental manager who is really a a, a local stakeholder very engaged in the discussion that we're going to talk about today uh and helped drive the discussion from his perspective uh working with the county and working with uh, the commissioner murphy and and county uh, officials as well uh chris michael chris say hi Hey everyone, it's so good to see you. Chris, I haven't seen you in forever. This is always so weird when you uh, see people you haven't seen since before COVID. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think maybe you stepped away from his camera for now, but we'll introduce uh, the county attorney is going to join us. Aaron Mumford, who's uh, I'm sure we'll probably camera on here in just a moment when he sees we're uh, at this point in the discussion. So, fellas, thanks so much for having us. You know, this is a fascinating discussion. What an incredible issue. And you guys had a great approach to this. For so many of the people who are watching, vacation rental managers, destination marketing leaders, and then city and county leaders that are grappling with how do we create regulations, this is a, a conversation that I think they can model You uh, use Glenn County as a model. So talk to me a little bit, uh, you know, Commissioner, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, you know, you had you had been on the county commission, uh, and you had heard from constituents. I know. Tell me when you first started hearing about this as an issue and a concern that needed to, you know, be discussed at the county level, as far as dis- discussing maybe possible regulations.
2: Uh, you're exactly right, Matt. It actually started uh, during my campaign to run for the county commission seat. But my seat is uh, St. Simon's Island, uh, Jekyll Island, and Sea Island and particularly on St. Simons, as I hold uh, small group discussions and, and talk about issues, this came up uh, multiple times uh, that there were problem houses in residential neighborhoods that were being disruptive. There were a problem with uh, too many cars, trash not being uh, put out properly, uh, you know, overcrowding of houses, excessive noise and, uh, that was my first sort of uh, entree into the issue as an issue. And then uh, my friend uh, Scott McQuaid asked me to be on the uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau board. And that's when I became aware that it was problematic for uh, operators of hotels, motels, bed and breakfasts who felt that the playing field was no longer level because they were required to have certain uh, uh, requirements in their rental properties that maybe the the private homeowner didn't have. But more than that, uh, the question was, uh, were they being undercut on pricing because the homeowners and the rental managers weren't paying the proper taxes? (laughs)
0: So you started to hear that issue uh, be discussed, but at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm assuming knowing, knowing a little bit about the geography and the uh, economy of uh, Glenn County, uh, Chris, you've, you've been a vacation rental manager there for a good bit. Vacation rentals certainly had a history in Glenn County as well, correct? Is it a choice for people who are visiting the area to choose vacation rentals as a, a place to stay?
3: Absolutely. And I mean, as I I think all communities it's expanded tremendously over the last five, seven years, Um, we're locally anywhere between 1,500 and 2,000 rentals, um, vacation rentals in our community. So it makes up a, a, a sizable portion of our bed tax revenue and a sizable portion of our inventory here on the island.
0: That's great. And so it is. Yeah, it's obviously a a good amount of inventory there. So Scott, talk to us about the local tourism economy. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, do vacation rentals uh, have a big draw? And and is there a balance between vacation rentals and other accommodations there?
4: Yeah, uh, certainly the vacation rentals are a big draw. Uh, We just a little orientation for for the viewers. Uh, Glen County, also known as the Golden Isles, uh, has uh, is situated halfway between Savannah and Jacksonville. Georgia has about a hundred miles of coastline and we're um, right in, in the middle of that. And overall our capacity as far as beds are concerned or pillows, uh, we can host about 30,000 people a night here in the Golden Isles, which comprises of all the barrier islands in the mainland. Um, As we're just getting some of this recent data in that, uh, I'm really excited to get more data as we've done quite a bit more work since the ordinance has passed. What I just found out actually last week is about 15,000 of those pillows are vacation rentals. So almost half the inventory um, is made up of vacation rentals. So even pre-COVID vacation rentals were very sought sought after in the Golden Isles, but Um, Now, after the fact and and during the fact of the pandemic, uh, that sector of the economy has grown exponentially.
0: Terrific. And I see our friend, uh, the county attorney, uh, Aaron Mumford has joined us here. And we were already talking so highly of uh, the work that you had done to really make a model ordinance and really the entire experience of discussing vacation rentals uh, there in Glenn County went so well. So I don't want to pick on you, but uh, because you're just joining us, but to get yourself situated, I just wanted to invite you to say hi real quick and just make sure your, your uh, sound works. Uh,
5: thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having us uh, right. on today and apologize for my, my tardiness. I was actually headed back from another seminar uh, about an hour and a half away. So uh, I was a little, running a few minutes late, uh, but was, was able to pay attention um, to where you are now. But thanks for having me.
0: No, so perfect. So it sounds like you've, you've got your 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 webinar legs under you there for a second. So why don't I just ask uh, throw a question over your way? So we heard from the commissioner and and from uh, uh, Chris and Scott about you know some of the origins of this, and also from Scott how do you you know kind of the sum of the balance of um, uh, of the of vacation rentals in the overall tourism economy. Kind of getting to understand Glenn County from your perspective as a county attorney. You know, when what were the first sounds that there was some a need to create a local regulation? What were you hearing from the community as far as people saying, hey, we've got an issue we'd like to address?
5: Sure. Um, we've been dealing with uh, in Glen County, St. Simon's Island, I've been dealing with short term rental issues for Probably twelve years. I mean, dating back to two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and then Chris Michael and Scott and uh, Commissioner Murphy, former Commissioner Murphy, can probably tell you the same thing. But I think our first uh, foray into this was probably around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, as uh, you know, issues started to creep up, and and at that point, it was still a young industry. Uh, you know, that was as as you know, the the some of the uh, operations started to get you know the more commercial online. Uh, hub started to take uh, operation, um, and, we, and we made a go at it then. We, we started working uh, through some ordinances, trying to address some issues, uh, but at that point, uh, it didn't have community support. Um, you know, there was uh, there were concerns expressed about impacts, uh, and then we, from 2009 through 2020, we, we had probably another two three iterations of that, until finally, um, probably last year, no 2020, when we actually went out to uh, Austin to your seminar, Matt, uh, with Chris, with Scott, and then uh, uh, former Commissioner Murphy, uh, and that's really when our collaborative effort. Took hold. That was you know, we all went out to the together. Uh, realized that we we needed to do something in Glen County, but we needed need to do it together uh, as opposed to independently. Uh, and that's really what started our effort to address you know what we saw as a, a really good thing. Short-term rentals in Glen County are good. Uh, we didn't want to to shut them down, but we did want to have a set of regulations that everyone could buy into, and, and we did that. And I know that's part of today's or the large part of today's government conversation, but uh, we were able to achieve that balance between uh, governmental interest and 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 industry and private property interest, uh, and we had a really successful result in drafting uh, that ordinance. Uh, but the problems, you know, that I think everyone has, or or you know, um, you know, sound, uh, you know, parking. Uh, occupancy. Uh, you have uh, you know taxes, making sure everyone's on a level playing field. So uh, I think we all saw that there was a need for it. And it was just a matter of figuring out what worked for everybody. Um, and after about 10, 20, 10 or 12 years and two or three iterations of going through that, we were able to achieve that. And you know we're appreciative of our partners in the community uh, that helped us get to that point where everyone was on board with the final result.
0: Terrific. So I was going to pivot back to uh, the commissioner. You know, commissioner, you had an interesting uh, role because you know you're really that intersection of policy and politics. You've got that the you know the community that is probably always wanting to talk to you about whatever the issue of the day might be. Was it challenging? Was there so much discussion from the community about this? Was it challenging to filter? Uh, out some of the different voices to be able to try to take a, a an approach that would find compliance that would find success for you were you able to uh, um, you know maybe uh, you know dispel some of some of the negative negative voices
2: I don't know that the negative voices were ever dispelled but uh From the get-go, one one of my promises when I was running for office was that I would hold quarterly town halls and had never been really done before. And I I would just open up uh, for an hour and a half uh, at a a nice conference center and take take about 30 minutes, 40 minutes to discuss issues such as this and what my understanding was. And then we'd have uh, upwards of uh, 50 minutes to an hour of questions. And that's where the back and forth started between the neighborhood issues and the people that were uh, private home uh, renters and people that had a whole stable of, of private homes that they were managing. In addition, uh, there were interviews on the local radio, interviews in the, in, in, in the newspaper. So um, the conversation was was bubbling up at all levels. Uh, the, the, the negativity never stopped. Uh, multiple letters to the editor, uh, Text messages, emails, uh, you know, one suggested I was gonna ruin the local economy by uh, regulating the short-term rentals that would be harmful to, to Glenn County in general. But uh Aaron made the point uh about coming to your conference. The only correction I would make that Aaron said, I believe the conference was in August 2019. But but Scott was there, Chris was there, I was there, Aaron was there, and uh our assistant county manager. And and I think you know, what we learned from your seminar and, and hearing very compelling talks about safety and, and other best practices and uh, insurance needs and, and all the, the multiple uh, issues that you present at, at, at that conference uh, uh, a little over uh, two years ago really brought us together as, as a unit, as a group, where I, I think we were on the same page and we're able to push forward in spite of the negativity. And I started out by saying, I'm sure the negativity is still out there. It never stopped, Matt. But you just can't let it uh, trip you up, as uh, as as I think it was Winston Churchill said. If you stop to confront every bar- every barking dog, you'd never get to the end of your trip.
0: You know. So as an elected policymaker, um, and this is something that sticks in my mind all the time about the negativity when these discussions happen with. Cities and counties around the country. My focus is always compliance. Hey, we have to do something that's actually going to work. Because if we if we, you know, choose a path um, that isn't a, a sound policy, then are we a driving up the cost of uh, trying to enforce a bad regulation for all taxpayers in the in the county or in the city? And then b are we actually just simply driving the activity underground? So uh, for you, did it help to have somebody like Chris? who w- was willing to have that sound conversation, your, your vacation rental manager there, uh, to have that sound conversation to talk about, hey, I'll accept a certain level of regulations and I'm willing to adopt a certain level of regulations so that there is a, a you know, some uh, parity uh, with uh, achieving you know, some of these public safety concerns and some of these tax concerns. Was, was, was it helpful to have Chris involved?
2: Very much so, but we uh, we there was a lot of give and take on that level, a tremendous amount of give and take, and uh, you know some of it uh, more emotionally charged than others. But at the end of the day, we also looked to uh, other communities' best practices. We reached out to to other third-party administrators of of, of this type of uh, situation to see. What, what ordinances were put in place in other communities or around the land, and then brought that back to those discussions so we could could find the median, that, the, the, the happy median that seemed to work for everybody. And as Aaron was saying, it was just recently implemented, the ordinance, and we have reached out to an outside third party uh, group to try to uh, make sure that the compliance uh, is in fact uh, be being achieved and as i chose not to run the, for office re-election after four years i've been out of the business with glenn county since december 31 of 20 so we've had uh eight uh, uh going nine months of trying to see how this is going to work and I'll, I'll turn where we stand over uh to the gentleman on my right to sort of let you know whether it's been successful to roll out.
0: Go ahead. Take it away, Scott.
2: Well, um,
4: we just started the I I guess I would call it the soft launch of the ordinance in July. Uh, But really, I think the heaviest lifting is getting the ordinance passed, is doing all that public work and you know that, that's where all the heavy lifting takes place. It's it's really too early to tell. I would say um, of whether or not it's working, uh, because really I think it as of next month, October, is when the soft launch is over, where everyone's had their chance to sign up and sign in, and now um, the the much more. Uh, Careful eye will be on the ordinance by the the company that's overseeing it. Um, but I would just add to the process to what uh, Peter had mentioned is, you know, when you're building out that ordinance again, that's where the hard work is. But if if your groups focus on what you can agree upon, you'll have a path forward. Uh, we learned very early on in the process if. If we just focused on what people disagreed on, we couldn't get anywhere. So we started to create a short list of everything people agreed upon. And it really changed the whole dynamic. And what we found is people agree upon about 85% of what communities are trying to accomplish. And if you fight over the 15%, you're never going get, to get anywhere. And, and we were um, lucky enough and smart enough as a group to to provide the leadership to get um, what we did is we formed a a committee, a community committee made of stakeholders. And once we all got on the same page, we marched forward pretty quickly after that. Well, and I think it's important to note, Matt, when, when we did
3: bring that group together, initially we had some folks that We're on one side or the other from the we don't need any regulation leave it alone don't touch it to ban it completely and a couple of them actually maintained and stayed on our group through the end and and shifted their position a little bit and understood what an impact the industry makes but also that shutting it down isn't the answer and then on the flip side my colleagues that you know wanted no regulation Really started to understand that that we needed to compromise and, and 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 have have some some regulations that we could all live with that made sense for
0: our community. Yeah. You know, and that's why I always say you're a best practice because it was the process. It was what you did working together that happened so rarely in so many other communities. You really did do what should be viewed as a model example for other communities as far as going through this process and really taking a sound policy approach. Even Commissioner Murphy's comments about really having to filter out those negative voices and and focus on solutions and focus on uh uh you know creating a sound policy all, all, all of that it makes you all a best practice it really it, it really does now uh chris one more question for you just from uh, your perspective i i'm a big believer that vacation role managers professional managers it's your job to ensure that there's a good experience for the traveler but also you're representing your owner um Did you find that the non-professional operators of Vacation Rentals were as engaged as you?
3: There were a few. Um, There... there Number one, they're hard to find. Um, they, they don't really come out of the woodwork to volunteer. Um, we did have a couple on our committee that were you know, extremely beneficial to us and their feedback and, and what they wanted to do. But it, it, it definitely was more professional managers that were heavily involved um, from the vacation rental standpoint. Um, on our committee, we had you know, individual property owners that don't rent and that have had numerous issues with vacation rentals. And their experience and feedback was just as valuable.
0: Great. Oh, that's great to hear. So um, I'm gonna, we, it looks like we had a question coming in through the chat uh, icon, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask everyone to feel free to submit any questions through that, your little chat icon at the bottom, and I'll try to insert any of those questions as we can throughout the conversation. So thank you so much for uh, submitting those questions. Uh, Aaron, one last question for you. I did want to ask, when you went through the actual process of um, Ordinance creation, you know, creating that local regu- regulation, actually kind of writing out all the language and that, and that sort of thing. I know that you did go through the discussion about how are we going to ensure that there is compliance. And there was talk of uh, hiring a third party group that helps you a- achieve compliance. Um, when you looked at that process, hiring a third party group, you know, that, that would help you achieve compliance. Were you looking more for something that was trying to help you identify folks following local rules or was it about taxes or both?
5: I, I think it was about both. Um, I think it depends on who you talked to and then what they thought was a problem. Uh, and then there were, you know, a number of problems and issues that we we're trying to address. Um, so I think it depends on, you know, really it's both, um, you know, I think identifying what the properties were and where they were, and just understanding the numbers, like what are the numbers of, of short-term rentals and, and units in our community, uh, and it started there. I started knowing that uh, because I, I, you know, I think for for um, as many as as. Chris's group has, there's a lot that are, you know, uh, single, you know, one owner that uh, has one, another owner has two, you know, another one. So it was identifying who those were and, and then having a point of contact And to so in our ordinance. And I saw one of the questions that came up, you know, our ordinance is on Unicode, uh, Glenn County, Georgia. And, uh, you know, you can find out there, but it was uh, trying to identify, who the participants were so if there was an issue we had a point of contact and that's one of the things we put in our ordinance as a mandate was that every short-term rental owner had to have a point of uh, contact that we could communicate with and that point of contact was available and that you know sometimes if you don't know where to go with the problem the noise is too loud or uh your last week's renters were or had a you know had parties and it was disruptive uh, to the neighbors know most of our short-term rentals if uh, not a large majority are next to it's, they're in residential neighborhoods so they're next to people who live there full-time and uh, it's trying to see if they coexist so I, I think where this originated from uh, if I go back 10 12 years it was it originated with uh noise and just disruptions to everyday life to the neighbors and then it, it it also bled into uh making sure there's a level playing field so that uh you know for the the hotneck coopers that, that uh, go by the rules they pay their taxes making sure that everyone else pays their taxes as well so that you know the, the as as the hotels are too so that was the i guess a uh the 1b to the 1a uh, depending on who you talk to. But I think there were equally as important uh, goals uh, to to achieve. And, uh, you know, throughout the process, you know, the committee that Scott was talking about, we would meet with them. We'd go over it, see what their concerns were and see if we could address those. Um, and I, I think, you know, if, if I had to go back in time, we would have started with that process 10 years ago. That's what I would have done differently, Uh, you know, uh, looking back or, you know, what I would suggest we do differently is start that process early. You know, get your stakeholders in the same room uh, and talk, you know, identify that there is an issue that needs to be resolved. And then from there, figure out, you know, once you identify the problem how to, you know, big picture, you know, 40,000 foot view of what are those issues. So, uh, you know, Matt, your original question, I think it was both. Uh, it's one A, one B. But uh, and I think you can, you know, you can address both of those at the same time. Uh, but for us, um, you know, I think a lot of the the um, the taxes we do get, uh, you know, are, are either go to our, our, uh, our visitor bureau or. Uh, or go back into the county. The fee we charge uh, helps us administer the, the program. Uh, it is a uh, an annual fee. Uh, I saw that question come up, but uh, it, it's both.
0: You know, you have to do regulation creation all the time, and I hate probing you with, uh, with what the amount uh, of the fee is, uh, but uh, do, you, do you recall when you created that regulation, what the fee structure is, registration fee? I,
5: I don't. Off the yeah. top of my head, I maybe, maybe Chris, uh, I know Chris probably uh, has a number of those things, but off the top of my head, I wouldn't want to misquote you on that.
0: Uh, uh, Chris, Chris, do you know?
3: Yeah, so the, the, I'm sorry, did you ask what the fee was?
0: The registration fee, yes, sir.
3: $150 is the initial fee, and then there's an annual renewal. I believe it's $100 that renews every
0: January. Did you, and was the f- initial fee $150? 150 and
3: then it, it was based on time. So if you did it prior to, I believe it's July 1st, it's a $150 fee. If you do it after July 1st, it's 100 and that carries you through to the end of the calendar.
0: And that renews every January. Gotcha. Great. And I'm sorry I put you on the spot on that, Aaron. I know you're writing up ordinances every week, so uh, don't expect to it, always remember all the intimate details of each one. But thank you for that. So, yeah, a couple of people had asked about the registration fee. And, you know, my personal perspective, I like what you you all did with it to try not to charge such a high fee that it becomes um, uh, daunting for some people and maybe get some some folks to not comply. Uh I think that a lot of different cities and counties see the opportunity to make money off the fee and they say, wow, you know, we can put together a lot of money from this fee. I often suggest to folks, don't forget about the real income that's coming in from the activity, which is that the tax dollars, you know, don't drive tax dollars away because you, you try to drive some, uh, uh, or create some overwhelming fee that drives people underground. Um, Good. Aaron, just back to you for a quick second, I did want to ask, I know you hired as a so data collection, being able to know who's out there, that didn't even exist a couple of years ago. It's all brand new. So You have Lodging Revs, which I think is by far the best company in that space. There's a couple of companies that do it. Lodging Revs is just incredible. Um, um, but the concept with this, for all the folks that are watching that don't know, is they're able to see who is truly marketing and actually truly engaging in short-term rental activity, correct? I think that's the easy way to describe them.
5: That's right. That's right. Uh, they, they identify and they, they scrape data off the internet and they identify who is advertising on, um, these third-party apps. And once they do that, they can, they can tell us, you know, they can pinpoint exactly where they are, uh, down to the, you know, the address. And so if they're, you know, it, with our ordinance, if we you know see that they're not, if uh, they have not come in for their occupation tax certificate, uh, we can identify who they are to make sure they uh, become compliant. And, and I think, you know, for, for, for us, that was the, you know, if there was a 1A, that was the primary goal. Make sure people are compliant and, um, you know, and, and most of them are and, uh, and continue to be. Uh, but if there is an issue knowing who they are, uh, having some uh, you know, teeth to it in terms of being able to the what if scenario. Uh, but it, it was more of coexistence. Um, you know, we have a great thing uh, in our area. We have a great place, a great place to be and go. Uh, and we want to maintain that. I mean, and, and I think uh, not to speak for, for, for Chris uh, and the other stakeholders, but I think when they saw that buy in that we want to preserve what we have. Uh, we want to encourage visitors to come. Uh, but we also want to, uh, maintain the high quality standards that we, we've come to expect here. Um, and, and then having a, a third party, uh, like larger revs that allows us to identify them. It's an easier process, whereas before it, it is a very manual process. We had to go find out who they were, find out if there's a point of contact and reach out. And sometimes they weren't even local. So it, it was a, uh, you know, kind of an absentee, um, Owner situation where um, we'd have to track them down, and, and, that, and that made it more difficult because there wasn't, um, you know, there, it, it's a lot easier now that now we have, you know, these kind of standards in place, local point of contact, somebody we can contact. Uh, I believe the ordinance says within 24 hours, uh, they have to, you know, uh, be able to respond to us. Um, so that if there is an emergency, an issue, a complaint, uh, there there is a uh, you know a homeowner or you know somebody who's accountable for that uh, and uh, you know the, again the goal the end goal is compliance uh, no, no, we don't want to issue tickets or citations we don't want to uh, have any revocations it's just compliance uh, and, and
0: coexistence yeah absolutely that's great yeah, I, Matt, Matt. go
2: ahead okay so uh, we've been sort of as I said earlier, it, for me, it was about a three and a half year process from awareness to getting this ordinance passed. Um, but I think one of the trade-offs is it really uh, created a sense of awareness throughout the entire community that we we were gonna move forward with this. and we're trying not to be onerous, but uh, it was, it was, a lot of it was about safety and, and, and most of it was about quality of life in the neighborhoods, but we keep mentioning taxes. Interestingly, uh, before we came on, uh, Chris and uh, Scott and myself were discussing uh, local tax revenues from uh, from the bed tax. And Scott made an observation that there's been a significant bump. And and even though we haven't seen the full effect of lodging res and full effect of the, the, the certificates, uh, I'll turn it over to Scott to just give a, a you know 30,000 foot view of what's happened to the taxes. And I believe it's because people have been made aware that this is for real. And we've, we've got an ordinance in place. So Scott, what's happened? Uh, well, it's it's been a good
4: year in the Golden Isles for accommodation tax and lodging revenue in general. Uh, we just closed out our fiscal year at the end of June and we had, um, over a quarter of a billion dollars in lodging revenue in the Golden Isles, which um, our tax rate is 5% here. So it, it accumulated about uh, $11 million in bed tax. And But within the uh, short-term rental sector alone, which again, I think will continue to grow, we saw that sector double in one year as far as revenue is concerned.
2: Wow. But pretty significant there, Matt. I mean, you know, I think upwards of a million dollars uh, increase, Scott. Yeah, a million dollar tax increase, and I think that's just from awareness that that this is for real, and that's the expectation of, of the owners. And i I would suspect it's it's more of a voluntary compliance by the owners that that they needed to get on board. <laughs>
0: Again, a testament to you all for creating such a sound process to get people to say, okay, now that this has been completed and you've created this regulation, you haven't made it so burdensome that we can't be involved, you got them involved and and now you're achieving that level of compliance and getting those tax dollars. That's great, guys. That's really incredible. So, uh, one of my friends is on. Uh, she asked a question, and she's an icon in the vacation rental management space. Her name is Claire Reisberg, and she's in Galveston, Texas. Uh, and it's Sand and Sea Vacation Rentals, uh, if you want to go visit her in Galveston. But I think one of the things that she would point out is when they started tracking their short term rental tax. Um, Um, compliance rate, they went from about five or 10%, she's gonna kill me for getting this way wrong, but it was something so dramatic that it was about five or 10% of their total hotel occupancy tax collection. It went from about five or 10 to after starting to create some reasonable regulations all the way up to 50 percent i might be a little wrong on those numbers but it was a dramatic increase uh in 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 tax benefits and and tax receipts so for everybody who's watching that's one of the many goals that you want to achieve when you're creating these regulations Uh, these are a couple of communities to look to glenn county and uh, maybe reach out to claire and talk to them about what they did in galveston Scott, that's great for you, that uh, shows a really incredible uh, success for, you know, for the Convention Visitors Bureau there in the Golden Isles. Um. We had a question come in that I did wanna ask you all about. So the fellows in the bullpen, I'll start with you. Uh, And it's about statewide uh, standards, statewide guardrails around uh, uh, regulations. A couple of different states, I think probably most notably Florida, created some rules about, hey, here's as far as cities or counties could go on as far as regulations this way or that. I'll invite any of you to chime in, but uh, do you guys have any comment on uh, creating statewide regulations like that?
2: I think there was an effort uh, last year, the year before in the state legislature to sort of uh, preempt uh, local local control uh, of this particular issue. And that was unsuccessful. Uh, there is uh, an older uh, regulation about, there could be no registry of rental properties. And that's become a point of contention uh, about whether or not, you know, the, the certificates that, that are required in Glenn County, or violation of that, I'll let Aaron talk about the specifics of that. But I would point out that Savannah has had uh, all the issues that we just recently put in place in place since 2014, and they they've done done quite well without any uh, intervention from from state regulators. But Aaron, uh, correct correct anything that I've said that's wrong about uh, where we are with the uh, that that aspect. I think you're muted, Aaron.
5: Thank you. Uh, I I think you're correct. I mean, there have been efforts that, you know, some people go as far as the extreme of a total preemption of local government's ability to to regulate or have any regulations, which means that governments can't pass any ordinance that addresses it. Uh, That has not passed. So the other side of the um, you know spectrum is, well, let's create kind of a a sandbox or the, the playing field, which I do encourage. I do think it'd be good, it is a good idea for state to uh, states to create that playing field. Not, not not government can't regulate it, but give us the parameters. Because right now you have you know Georgia has 159 counties. Um, now not everyone has short-term rentals. Or at least not enough to create an ordinance, but enough where you're going to have dozens and dozens of different kind of variations of, of regulations. Uh, which for for an attorney, you know, we want some more, you know, I'd like to see more certainty in that rather than having, uh, you know, the courts decide where the boundaries are. Uh, I, I think we, you know, by, by through the process, we found where we think the boundaries are. Uh, but I think some state regulation and saying, here's the do's and don'ts, uh, you know, and, and don't, you know, to create that is good. Not not a preemption uh, from local government. You don't want to you don't want the state to necessarily preempt you from doing enacting ordinances that are reasonable. But to you know because for everyone that says this, there's another person that says no. Well, you shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, But for right now, the state of Georgia has not uh, adopted anything that would um, you know other than from a taxation standpoint. But from a pure regulatory standpoint, have not adopted anything that would uh, really steer you know. a community in one direction or another. I do think uh, I know some other states have uh, that say, here are the things that you can touch on. Here are the things to stay away from. Uh, I think uh, our end result of, uh, we were able to do that at a, a, almost a local community level with our, our, you know, the subcommittees that were created independently of the county that we met with uh, helped us kind of uh, achieve the same goal, but in the long run, I think it's coming. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, then I think we'll have to go back and look at, uh, our ordinance, um, which, which is similar to, you know, I think, uh, like Peter Murphy said, we looked at, uh, a lot of other ordinances and doing this, um, and, and to see what they were doing, not only in Georgia, but, uh, you know, throughout the United States and, and really looked at what may, may have been effective, ineffective, Talked to different groups about, you know, uh, w- what is the best way to achieve compliance. Um, but, um. You know, I, I think it's coming as, as more and more money is put into these things, uh, as they become more and more popular with the third-party apps. Uh, you know, uh, there are some communities in Georgia uh, that have at least one that tried to do a total ban on local um, or on uh, short terminals, and and that's where that that legislation came from. Is you can't ban them counties, but uh, short of that, you know, work through them.
0: You know, I, I don't know if you all remember from your investigation into this, but you know, and maybe 10 years of, of working on this has, you know, caused me to have some level of, uh, of strong opinions on the issue. But the bans, when we look at different cities around the country that have banned uh, short-term rentals or vacation rentals in, in entire uh, zoning categories or parts of town or even the entire city, I go back to that word compliance because when we do an audit of their compliance rates, they achieve incredibly low levels of compliance. So they might have banned uh, to satisfy political will, political you know concerns in a community, community concerns I should say. Uh, But the um, ability to actually enforce that community, those community concerns, just isn't there. So they you know, banned uh, short-term rentals in a city like Portland or vacation rentals in a city like Portland. And it just wound up driving the activity underground. A lot of people still operated, but they just did so without following reasonable rules. Did you find that to be the case uh, You, when you were going through this consideration that, you know, you had to look at those examples of who actually was able to achieve success? And I should ask that. I'll start with you, uh, Aaron, and I'll go to the bullpen after this. Uh, we we did. I mean, I think we
5: we wanted it to start with something that was going to work. Um, you know, I, I, as a government, you don't want to uh, local government. You don't want to pass something that that's not going to. Uh, there's no buy-in, and the result is not achievable. Um, it's a waste of effort. Um, you, know, you can adopt it. So we wanted something that was going to be enforceable, where there's buy-in, uh, and and to a degree self-regulation. Uh, so in doing that, yes, we did. We did. Um, you know, look at, at, you know, best practices, uh, you know, what were and what are best practices? Um, you know, I touched on it uh, uh, earlier and I think uh, uh, Dr. Murphy touched on it as well. In 2019, when we went out to Austin, uh, I, I didn't know Chris, Michael. Um, I know him now. And, uh, you know, I think we've uh, worked together well during this process, but I didn't, I didn't know Chris, um, uh, but yeah, we, we, we found ourselves in Austin, Matt, at, at your uh, Smart City uh, seminar, um, where you know I think we were able to you know find uh, you know common ground on what the issues were, uh, what are, you know what should be, you know, and not not any, you know, one community is built the same. What works for Glenn, you know Glenn County, you know, may need to be tweaked for another community. So we were able to work through those things and and find out. Um, you know what is the best practice for us, and, and learn from. We heard from people, talk to people uh, in, in a relaxed atmosphere. You know, heard from different speakers, um, where you you could see. You know, you, you turn that. You know, what had been. You know, it wasn't adversarial, um, but there was our play. You know, our, our side and their side. Uh, you know, when we first went through this. Uh, and it turned it into more. What is what is our community side? You know, we, we, we need to do something. But what what is the best practice for Glenn County? So, we, we did find our, our, ourselves looking at best practices. Uh, what has worked? Uh, there was a, a lot of compromise, as, as you know. I'm sure my my uh, colleagues will tell you. Uh, compromise in terms of, you know, where is that that golden zone? You know, just the right you know the right middle. Uh, and a compromise to get this done uh, that may not have been where we started off, where they started off. Um, but uh, I think looking at communities that have had success and, and communities that have not had success, um, you know, with the ones that had a, a ban uh, ended up in litigation, um, and, and um, we made it clear up front, even though there was some mis- misinformation, that we were not trying to ban these things. That was not where we wanted to go um, as a as a as a as a county. Uh, and once that came out, that uh, this was not this is not an effort to shut them down. Uh, I think there was a lot more you know, happy medium, uh, where you could you could get to the point where you're meeting with these groups and saying, you know, how do we address this that doesn't doesn't kill the industry, uh, and then it actually helps it. I think this this actually I think uh, you know uh, helps the industry because the responsible good property and property owners and managers. Um, continue to be successful, uh, and the problems that that may deter people from coming to an area, those those start to, those get addressed.
0: Yeah. So, fellows in the bullpen, uh, and and Aaron, I want you to hear this too. You know, one of the things you both said, you said, and Commissioner Murphy have said, and Scott and Chris have told me before about the benefits of uh, our in person summit years ago. I can't tell you enough, and it's going to get me choked up. Uh, there was a point at which, when we were holding that in-person summit, that I jumped up on stage, I grabbed the mic. Probably one of the, my favorite things in the world to do—I have complete control of the mic. But I looked out in the audience, and I realized that I had tables of people that were mixing, and vacation rental managers were talking to code compliance directors, and convention visitor bureau and DMO directors were talking to, you know, folks who had come from you know different neighborhoods that were, uh, you know, seriously looking at seriously, uh, serious restrictions and people were communicating and they were really finding common ground. And, 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 and I've, we've heard a lot through this discussion today. And, uh, um, uh, I have said this several times. It's that consensus that you helped form the process that you had. I think it makes you all a best practice. So fellows in the bullpen. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, uh, uh about the, you know, the, the aftermath you, you passed the ordinance. Was there, was there raving success for people, uh, you know, so excited that something actually passed or, uh, did it, did it just quietly pass and life moved on? What was it? What was the after effect like?
2: I don't know if it was quietly passed. It was passed. And, and as I said, it was sort of towards the end of my tenure as uh, commissioner, uh, for for the, the hotbed of the short-term rental, so uh, maybe Scott and Chris can uh, can address that where where we are now, but.
3: Yeah, I think I think it was a, a process after the ordinance got passed and, and really working with the, the third party provider that was coming in to manage the process for the county. And fortunately, you know, our, our county listened to to all of us that we're gonna to have to abide by the ordinance that you know number one, they never wanted to make it too onerous on everyone and they wanted to give you time to comply. Um, we wound up going live with an ordinance. Correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but I think it went live July 1, which for us, peak of summer, absolute craziness. Um, and the county listened that that they rolled it out on July 1, but they're going to give a grace period until October so that we all can get used to it. There's a, a you know a handful of items that are not. You know, they're, they're not crazy you've got to you know put some literature in every unit you've got to make sure fire extinguishers and smoke detectors are there and uh and and they gave a grace period to do that understanding that putting that that responsibility on on any short-term rental owner or manager in the middle of a busy season was just was going to be very difficult and so it, it it hasn't been you know all sunshine and roses but it hasn't been a complete disaster any pickups that have come up the county has understood it's a it's a new process and they're working through it um and i think as scott said from tax collections you know we're already seeing um the benefit of this ordinance going into effect that that people are complying and i think it's only going to increase as it as it you know goes live in october
0: so commissioner you know you you left office shortly after the um uh ordinance passed um you know, the, you, you know, that was at, at the appropriate time. You know, your 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 cycle was up and you, I, I know you probably wanted to do other things, but you still see people in the community. You still run into people in the stores. Um, did you hear feedback You know, post vote?
2: I, I think uh, by and large, uh, people were very, very happy when we did it I, again. You know, the naysayers were some of the smaller uh, owners of uh, and smaller managers. Uh, who just, change is difficult, Matt, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, it, it was something new, but, uh, you know, in the, the details as to how, uh, how it's enforced uh, primarily and what kind of work Lodging and Res does for us, and, uh, but I think it was, it was absolutely embraced by the people who live in this beach community want to have the neighborhood feel preserved. Uh, and if I could just digress for a moment about what happened at your conference, uh, it, it was just a great experience for us as a team. But but at, uh, the day before at lunchtime, because my daughter uh, lives in Austin, is a good friend of, of Jeff Hurst, who's the uh, president and CEO of Verbo. I had a lunch meeting with him, and I, I just said, "Here's what we're doing. Uh, here's why we're down here. What do you think?" He said. You guys are absolutely on the right track," he said. "We've had experiences where the communities haven't done these things, and there's been an outright ban. And he mentioned Honolulu at that time, and he said that's not what we want. So here's here's the Expedia slash Verbo uh, president CEO who's su- supporting our efforts, and, and I you know brought this back to our team, and you know I I think that's just confirmed that we were on the right tracks, uh, Matt. I mean we were you know we were all on the right track and so I think as a group we took pride in getting this done but we'll we'll see in a year or two whether the neighborhood you know ambiance and, and, and feel has been preserved.
0: Yeah absolutely. You know, and uh, uh, Scott, you know, as we kind of are winding down our final thoughts here from a destination marketing perspective, you have have other DMOs and Convention Visitors Bureaus reach out to you about how you did this so successfully?
4: Yeah, we get quite a few questions from around the country uh, and the state in particular um, about the process here. The other thing I'd add, too, which was related to preemption and some of the questions that I saw in your panel is. Just by being so involved in this, one of the state reps and senators that was supporting a bill that would actually uh, disallow counties to um, create ordinance to regulate the industry uh, owned a rental on Jekyll Island and through the work I was involved in, I got my association of CBB leader involved the Georgia Chamber of Commerce involved and we're able to Um, huddle with that group from the state. And when they realized that we weren't trying to um, create a ban on rentals, they quickly pulled back and said, okay, we we didn't fully understand what was going on here. Um, I did see some of the commentary on the side or the the questions, particularly what's happening in Florida. Uh, It's probably helping Georgia. I know where we own a Grant uh, down in Florida, we cannot rent it by the week. The only you're only allowed to do monthly rentals. So the fact that we we have this here in the Golden Isles and that it is not onerous and it isn't so restrictive, it keeps our economy going and it allows these homeowners to pay for their homes. Otherwise, they might not be able to without the
0: extra income coming in. Chris, the vacation rental company is called Hodnet Cooper, correct? That's correct. So if people want to have, come have a great time in Glenn County, they can just look up your website, Hodnick Cooper. Yes, please. Look direct. Yes, please. <laughs> Terr- terrific. So, Chris, I have to tell you, you know, a lot of the vacation rental managers always ask, how do you how do you do this? I mean, how do you actually sit down with, um, you know, uh, government regulators and and staff and and your destination marketing organization leaders? How much time did this take out of your, out of your week? Was this uh, a bit, a-
3: I mean, Scott and I, we've worked together since Scott came to the golden isles. So we we've had a relationship. Um, when I'm asked by other vacation role managers, what, what do I do? How do you, how did you do it? I mean, just get involved, get involved in your community. We're fortunate in that we do have a very small community. So, you know, Dr. Murphy, I would see him at dinner occasionally, or <laughs> Scott and I would run into one another somewhere. So um, being involved and, and just, you know, from a County perspective and talking, Um, to Aaron, just, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to help. We, we don't, we're not sitting here saying, shut it down. We're not sitting here, leave us alone. We, you know, we want to help. We want to be involved. So I think reaching out to your commissioner, reaching out to your, your CDB CEO, um, for me, that that's where it started.
0: And Aaron, we get questions from uh, county attorneys, city's attorney all the time. Um, What, what percentage of your time was dedicated to researching and learning about this when you were going through it?
5: Uh, a lot i think uh at that period of time um, and, and it still is a priority but at that period of time you know my priority you know um uh, you know one of the, the top priorities was to get this thing done um so at the time it, it uh you know when we were actually in the drafting process you know we had a, a draft it circulated um you know and there were, there were a lot of red lines you know we got it back uh, and uh you know i, I didn't take any, any pride of 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 authorship over it. It was, it was more of uh this is our ordinance to, to uh, figure out how to do it. So it was a lot of, you know, it was uh, it, not overwhelmingly, and I don't mean to dissuade people, but um, once you're doing it, I would encourage you to just stay with it. Don't, don't um, you know, I think uh, if we had let that kind of slide off the radar, um, you know, it gets shelved and it gets dusty and you have to come back and um, you know, and I think it's, it's identifying, you know, and I say, we had done it over again. Uh, we would start off with a community effort. Uh, you know, I don't know if that would have been successful in 2009, because I don't think everyone was on the same page as, as identifying. Is there a problem or an issue to be fixed? And it took uh, it took a while for people to identify that. Um, but uh, once once that, you know, that everyone agreed that we have a good thing, but we have a good thing we want to preserve. That's that's uh, when it came together, and then 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 my focus was on you know a lot on it, traveling out to Austin, um, you know getting to know our, our partners a little better, um, but and then 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 once we had a draft, it was you know we, we had uh, we had our good commissioners, you uh, uh, give me a deadline uh, and say we want this done. Here's the meeting. Um, And uh, while I I can't say it wasn't extended a a time or two, it it was helpful to have a deadline that everyone was, uh, Well, we didn't want to end up with a bad ordinance, right? We don't, you know, you don't want to end up with a bad ordinance. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, remember hearing some of our our, our partners say, we realize that we need this or this is going to happen. We don't want to end up with something bad. So that's why we're at the table. We we, you know, and and no one wants a bad ordinance. So once we got that buy in, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a matter of months. But for those months, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty busy for all of us. But we wanted to knock it out and get it done. Uh, Commissioner Murphy had a a finite period of time on on the board and he wanted to get it done. And he did before his tenure ended. ended. Um, we We were happy to do that.
0: He sure did. So, uh, Commissioner Murphy, I'm going to give you the last word, but I, I'm going to mention uh, just to build on something Aaron said before you pick that up, is it's also a constantly evolving industry. So there's new technologies, new concepts popping up all the time. We had a question from a fellow about some of the new uh, concepts that people are pursuing uh, that could help folks maybe kind of circumvent some regulations in some corners. So you got to keep an eye out on the new evolution of how people are using some of these new concepts. Uh, Commissioner Murphy, want to have the last word about uh, what uh, counties and cities can do to uh, create such a successful process like you did?
2: I think we've had a, a you know, wonderful, robust discussion of, of how we got got down to the end. But the one thing I, I do need to mention, I'd be remiss if I didn't speak to the governmental structure here, the Board of Commissioners in Blaine County, there are seven. And I was fortunate enough to have open-minded colleagues on the commission that that allowed me to pursue this, that came to my town halls, heard from people. And ultimately, I can't remember what the final vote was. I think it may have been six to one on the ordinance. I don't remember, uh, but it was overwhelmingly passed. But uh, without the support of my colleagues and uh, having discussions with them and, and having them understand how important this was for the whole community, you know we wouldn't have gotten it across the finish line so it was it, it it was it was a great effort and and uh i think all of us take pride in, in in
0: making it happen
2: and so at the end of the day it's
0: a it was a nice success story well you did it well and gladden county did it really well and it's uh is a great model the process is a best practice and i i will tell people that uh, for as long as I live. I'll, it, it was really, you, you guys did a champion's job. So for everyone who's watching, make sure to go visit Glenn County and spend a little money while you're there. Maybe spend a lot of money while you're there. We have our uh, friend, Chris Michael, here from Hodnet Cooper. You can look up Hodnet Cooper online. They have vacation rentals in Glenn County. Of course, the uh, uh, head of the uh, Golden Isles Convention and Visitor Bureau, Scott McQuaid. We heard from uh, the county attorney, Aaron Mumford, and of course, the former commissioner, Peter Murphy. Thank you all so much for joining us at we're gonna be bringing content to you on short-term rental regulations monthly for the next several months. And then beginning tomorrow, we're gonna to talk about mobility innovations and policy. Uh, so thank. hopefully join us then. Thank you all. Thank you. See you, bye-bye.